Thank you for listening to the sermon audio podcast from Greenwood Baptist Church in Weatherford, Texas. Now here's a message from our senior pastor, Brian Bond. All right. Good morning. Everybody's doing well today. Um, we are continuing our series of called Certain about um, being certain in uncertain times. And this week, we're going to talk about the Antichrist. And I told you last week we were going to talk about that today. Um, I normally would not announce when I was going to speak specifically on the enemy or on Satan. Um, I did that last week, knowing what this week was going to be like. And I wanted you to know ahead of time, because I believe this is uh, really important for us during this day and age, and I I really believe there's some truth in here that I hope will help you in the coming days and even help you now. And so I want you to go and turn your Bibles to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, and we're going to talk about, there's two elements to this. Number one, um, it does talk about in Revelation uh, how there is going to be a person of the Antichrist, and this person is... Um, Satan's imitation of Jesus. And he's going to come promising all these things while deceiving people. And the Bible tells us that many are going to be deceived, even amongst those who are believers. And so there's going to be a, an individual, he's going to pop up on the world stage, he's going to promise um, somehow broker peace between um, Israel and the Arab states around it, but it's going to be a false peace that's not going to last. And he's also going to do certain things um, as he deceives people. And I want you to, you know, sometimes we think, oh, well, he's going to be so evil, we're going to be able to recognize him. But the fact is that he's going to come probably from some kind of religious background. And he's going to be able to speak um, in terms that a lot of believers are going to kind of be okay with. Because, well, you know, it sounds like he's a Christian or he's a good guy or whatever. And we're going to find out down the road that he is not. So we're going to talk about him first. And then we're going to talk about, um, even though he is going to appear at a certain time, he's called in this first passage, a man of lawlessness. There are elements that we need to be looking for today. And so if you'd please stand in honor of the reading of God's word, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. Now, dear brothers and sisters, let us clarify some things about the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and how we will be gathered to meet him. Don't be so easily shaken or alarmed by those who say that the day of the Lord has already begun. Don't believe them, even if they claim to have had a spiritual vision, a revelation, or a letter supposedly from us. Don't be fooled by what they say, for that day will not come until there is a great rebellion against God, and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the one who brings destruction." He will exalt himself and defy everything that people call God and every object of worship. He will even sit in the temple of God claiming that he himself is God. Don't you remember that I told you about all this when I was with you? And you know what is holding him back, for he can be revealed only when his time comes. For this lawlessness is already at work secretly, and it will remain secret until the one who is holding it back steps out of the way. Then the man of lawlessness will be revealed, but the Lord Jesus will kill him with the breath of his mouth and destroy him by the splendor of his coming. This man will come to do the work of Satan with counterfeit power and signs and miracles. He will use every kind of evil deception to fool those on their way to destruction because they refuse to love and accept the truth that would save them. 
So God will cause them to be greatly deceived and they will believe these lies. Then they will be condemned for enjoying evil rather than believing the truth. Thank you. You may be seated. You know, there are a couple of characteristics about the Antichrist that we can see in this day and age. Is number one, is a man of lawlessness. That person is not going to be revealed until the Holy Spirit removes um, the coverings and steps back and allows him to step forward into the world circle. Um, he is going to be a deceiver. He's going to <clears throat> uh, try to tie all the world's religions together by pretending to be their friend at first, and then he's going to be revealed that he's actually a man of destruction and of war. And that's one of the things that we need to be careful about even today. When Satan comes in to cause trouble in a church, he doesn't come announcing, hey, I'm here to cause trouble. He comes supposedly as a peacemaker. Oh, you know, I just want things to be this way. And But that person over there, you know, they... You know, you need to look out for them because they're blah, 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 blah. They try to sow dissension amongst believers and they will try to divide. Division is demonic, okay? Now, there are, there's a division that takes place over things, over principles, over the Word of God. You know, there are places that, that we would not necessarily have fellowship with as believers because they don't believe the Word of God, but we don't hate them. We're not angry with them. We're not trying to destroy them. We just have, there, there are certain um, differences between us. But when if someone comes into the church and tries to divide those who are within the church, if they're trying to get people on their side or they're trying to choose sides, that's demonic. That's division, okay? Even Joshua, when he walked out to the commander of the Lord's host who was standing out when he walked out over Jericho, Joshua walked up to him with his hand on his sword and said, are you for us or our enemies? And he said, neither. I'm for the Lord God Almighty. And that's who our side must always be, is the Lord's side. And so beware of those who would try to create division, try to get people on their side, or try to get people to choose sides. He will come, and the Bible says that he will do counterfeit works. Um, there will be wonders, there will be all kinds of things but they're going to be counterfeit. Now, whether or not God's going to allow Satan to give him power to do things that look like miracles, or it's just going to be smoke and mirrors, no idea. But we need to be very careful when his time comes and he's revealed that we are, that we understand and that we're watching. Now, I believe that believers are going to be gone before the Antichrist is going to be revealed because I believe that the rapture is at the beginning of the tribulation. But, Here's what's important for us. In 1 John 2, 18 through 23, John says, Dear children, and, and here's something about the words of John that are important, is John also got the last revelation. He's the one that got the book of Revelation. God revealed a lot of those things to him. So here's the thing. He says, Dear children, the last hour is here. You've heard that the Antichrist is coming, and already many such Antichrists have appeared. From these we know the last hour has come. These people left our churches, but they never really belonged with us. Otherwise, they would have stayed with us. When they left, it proved they did not belong with us. But you are not like that, for the Holy One has given you His Spirit, and all of you know the truth. So I'm writing to you not because you don't know the truth, but because you know the difference between truth and lies. And who is a liar? Anyone who says that Jesus is not the Christ 
Anyone who denies the Father and the Son is an antichrist. Anyone who denies the Son doesn't have the Father either. But anyone who acknowledges the Son has the Father also. So the main thing that you see in the, the spirit of antichrist that are here today, and we live in a culture and a world that is under more and what I would think should be obvious deception than at any other time in, in our history. We, our culture now operates under a cloud of deception. There's very little real truth. Real truth is condemned as being hateful or bigoted or against this person or that person or whatever. But there are all kinds of lies and deceptions that are destroying people that have become accepted as the norm. And so what I want to do today is I want to show you that Satan has a pattern in his deception. And if you will watch and you can, and you'll be able to see it throughout our culture, there are three simple things that Satan does to deceive people. And I want you to be able to see what those are. So to do that, we're going to go back to the first deception. And I want to say up front, somebody, well, I'm not going to be deceived. I mean, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Christian. I, I know. I want, here's what I want you to get. The only two perfect humans that walked this earth without sin got deceived. Okay? And they used to walk with God in the evening every day in the garden, just two of them, having fellowship with them. And when the, the enemy came up, his deception was so good that the two, only two perfect people fell for it. Now, Jesus was perfect, but he was God and man. Okay? So the only two perfect people that, that had never sinned fell for this deception. So don't think that you're immune to it. And we're going to talk about how we fall to it and, and how it happens. But we're going to go back to the very first thing in Genesis 3, 1 through 5. The serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. That's why it's totally fine to kill all snakes. Just saying. <laughs> and don't give me the, well, there's good snakes. They're all good after they're dead. <laughs> all right. <laughs> One day he asked the woman, did God really say you must not, not eat from the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? Of course we may eat from the Eat fruit from the trees in the garden, the woman replied. It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we are not allowed to eat. God said you must not eat it or even touch it. If you do, you will die. You won't die, the serpent replied to the woman. God knows that your eyes will be opened and as soon as you eat it, and you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. All right, there's three words out of here that are going to identify and describe the three steps of deception that Satan uses. He'll use it on you, he uses it on your friends, and you'll be able to see it in all kinds of things. The first one is question. The first thing Satan did was he questioned God's word. Did you catch that? Did God really say, you must not eat from the fruit of any of the trees in the garden? Now God didn't say that and Satan knew it. God said you must not eat from that tree, but everything else you can have. But the first thing that he did was question the word of God. Did God really say that? And that's part of God's part of Satan's pattern of deception is to question the word of God. And there's all different kinds of ways that he does that. Number one, he'll question it. You know, you may have heard this. Well, you know, if two people really love each other, shouldn't they be together? Well, yeah, it makes sense. I mean, but well, what if they're, what if it's two men or two women? 
I mean, wouldn't, didn't God created love? And if they really love each other, who's to say that they shouldn't? Did God really say that two people that love each other and committed to each other can't be together? What God said is that there are certain sexual sins. Okay? And so what they do is try to question the word. And you're like, well, gosh, you know, they, they really love each other. And you'll even hear, then people will use personal experiences or personal knowledge. Well, I know some people, and they have a better relationship than a lot of the Christian marriages that I see. And so they try to use personal experience to question God's word. So then how could that really be true? And you know what? That was probably just for back in the dark ages when people didn't know any better. And because apparently, you know, now we're all much smarter than they were hundreds of years ago. We're much smart, more smarter people. We are not smarter than people that have lived before us. As a matter of fact, <laughs> y'all know what I'm saying? I'm included in that group too. I live now too. But there's people that I go back and read from, uh, you know, past centuries and I'm like, Dude, I, that guy's brain would eat my brain for lunch and still be hungry. I mean, y'all ever do that? There were some brilliant people. Now, I'm not saying there aren't any now, but this idea that everything's smarter because it's modern is absolutely ridiculous, okay? And so we need to be careful, but it always starts with a questioning of God's word. And one of the most popular ways of questioning God's word, you'd think it would come from like the evil side of things, but it doesn't. Have you noticed that every time there's, there's some big major thing coming along, like when gay marriage was coming around, and here's the deal, marriage was, in, in, was created by God, given to man for a, a man and a woman, one man, one woman, period. That's how it was designed. God designed it. And whenever they were trying to push the gay marriage or whatever, what did they do? They brought out, quote, religious people. Well, we got all these pastors, and they're from churches that, I, A, I've never heard of, and B, if they're, if they're promoting that, they're not promoting the Word of God. Because do I understand why God said everything? This, this is a sin, that's a sin. I don't understand it all. But God's Word trumps my understanding. Amen. And it certainly trumps what I want. And people will question the Word of God because they want it to be something different than it is. The questions come, even believers will question. And beware of anything that, that would... That would Eat away at the foundation of God's truth. Now, y'all think, well, you know, he's just going to pick on that. I'm going to get everybody here in just a second, all right? <laughs> y'all all going to be mad at me before it's, gone, before it's over with. And yeah, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands. I know some of you watch that series, The Chosen or whatever, and you read Christian fiction, and it's fine. But understand something, that's Christian fiction. That series, The Chosen... That is not a good place to get your theology from. People, will you watch it? Hey, I finally watched an episode. And here's the truth of it. The episode I watched, 98 to 99% of it was made up. You understand what I'm saying? 98 to 99% of it is made up. Now, am I saying they have evil intentions? No. But understand something. When you're watching that, you're just watching a fiction story that's supposed to make you feel good. But don't be looking at that. Man, I can't. I had no idea Jesus did that. Well, there's a 99% chance he didn't. That they made that up to make the story interesting. And they came up with one thing lately that they put forth as truth that is not truth. Now, 
It's what I would call a Christian fable. And that's, there's this, this kind of phenomenon now about people coming through and they act like the Bible is, there's a secret, it's a book of secrets. And there's secret code in here. And if you crack the code, you can get whatever you want. If you can crack the code, you can be rich, you can find out this, you can know stuff nobody else knows. And there's these deeper truths that are secretly coded into the Word of God. Look, it's not. This book is not God's book of secrets that he's trying to hide people from, except for a few who crack the code. There's no code. It's God revealing himself to man through his word. That's what it is. You know, Martin Luther began this back in the 1400s. It's, it's just a simple phrase. It was in Latin, sola scriptura. That means only scripture. If somebody comes up and tells you some story about, hey, man, I th- here's what happened. And, you know, here's the truth. Here's the secret hidden thing about something Jesus did or about him or whatever. If you can't verify it in scripture, then it's not scripture. Y- y'all understand that? I mean, I know that sounds simple. But if it's not in the scripture, it's not scriptural. And if it's not scriptural, then guess what it's not? It's not inspired by God. It's not God's word. You can't rely on it to be true. It is a fable. It might be a cool story, but it's not true. Okay? God's word was given to us so that we could know him. And there's not some, hey, five secret keys in the Bible on how to get rich next month. That's deception, and it's ridiculous. And even when they try to have some kind of, our our culture has this fascination with new. Everybody wants something new. The Bible talks about that. For a time is coming in 2 Timothy 4, 3 through 4, when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. They will follow their own desires and will look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. They will reject the truth and chase after myths. And so we need to be careful about separating myths from truth. If you want to read a Christian romance book, fine. But understand it's a fictional book. You want to watch The Chosen? Fine. Hey, there's, as far as I know, there's no nudity or cursing in it. And it's a co- some cool stories, but understand they're just stories. of it is not based on the Word of God. You know, here's the deal about God's Word. People, why don't you do a series on the chosen? Hey, when I get done discovering and teaching everything that's actually in this book, then I'll look outside of it. But I ain't going to get there. You want to know why? You can never get to the end of this book. There's always new truth to be discovered just by reading the Word of God. And this whole idea about, well, you know, we got to fictionalize it to make it interesting, that is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard of. Everything you could want is in here. There's intrigue, betrayal, murder, sex. It is all right here in this book. You want to find the most interesting stories in the world? They're right here. They're right here in God's Word. And there's truths here that it will take you 10 lifetimes to even scratch the surface of. People who are constantly trying to find some kind of made-up truth outside, well, you know what I heard? It's passed down. You know, the Bible even talks about Jewish fables, Jewish legends. Be careful about some of those things. Well, I heard that the Jewish legend is that this was this, and that means this, and then this tells that, and blah, blah, blah. Be careful of that stuff. They're just fables. They're myths. But yet, here's what, here's what the deal is. You know, there was a time 
where I would have said, you know what, the majority of, of books and stuff out there that are, that, are, uh, that are Christian in nature are probably good. I would tell you right now, it's a very small percentage that I would look at and would say, hey, that's something that you might read. If it's something that kind of jumps out at you, man, I, you know, if it's something that, that appeals to your desires, let me read that to you again. They will follow their own desires and will look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. If you're going to get real truth, real truth is always going to challenge who you are and who God wants you to be. If you find something that is all about encouraging you and telling you that who you are, hey, you're perfect the way you are and there ain't nothing wrong with you and don't worry about all that stuff. God's fine with you doing whatever sins you're currently doing. It's no big deal. That is not truth. That is appealing to desires, your desires, and it is not telling you the truth. The Word of God will always challenge you. Truth will always challenge you. And anything that just makes you feel good is not challenging you. So be careful. There are all kinds of different ways where the enemy is going to question the Word of God. Well, you know what? Maybe that's just because that's the way they were back then. Maybe God's not really like that. Maybe he didn't really mean that. Maybe that's not really true. Beware. The second thing, first thing Satan does when he's deceiving is question the Word of God. Question what God said. The second thing is denial. He will deny. So if you're going to write three words down, that's two of them. Question, deny. Here's what he said next. Of course we may eat from the trees in the garden, the woman replied. It's only the, tree from, only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we're not allowed to eat. God said, you must not eat it or even touch it. If you do, you will die. And what does Satan say? You won't die. Denial. The serpent replied to the woman, you won't die. So the second thing that he does is deny. Well, you know what? That's not true. That's not true. No, there are all kinds of ways where the enemy tries to do that. And here's the deal. When, when he said, you won't die, there was, some, there was an element of truth in that. They didn't fall over dead the moment they ate it. But guess what? Death started. Death had been introduced since sin. And in that moment, they were going to die. They weren't created to die. They were created to be eternal. They were created in God's image. Perfect. Without flaw and without sin. And they didn't fall over dead the moment they ate the fruit. But they died the moment they ate it. Because the, the time clock, the clock began. And before that, there wasn't a clock. There wasn't a death on the horizon, and now there was. And what Satan will tell you is, oh gosh, that's not going to happen. Yeah, the Bible says there'll be penalty. That's not true. I mean, then there comes another question. Well, you know what? If God really loved people, he wouldn't let anybody go to hell. It doesn't matter what you do. Everybody's going to be fine. God's going to let you into heaven. You're a good person. Always lies. Always deception. Denying the truth of God's word. But you know what the truth of God's word says? That those who are without Jesus are going to spend eternity separated from him in hell. Now, it's, it's, it's our choice. But it's true. 2 Peter 2.1 But there were also false prophets in Israel, just as there will be false teachers among you. They will cleverly teach destructive heresies and even deny the master who bought them. In this way, they will bring sudden destruction on themselves. 
The first thing that he will deny is that there is a penalty for the sin that you're wanting to commit. The Bible's clear about it. There's penalty for sin. And the first thing Satan does is say, that's not true. You don't have to pay for it. It's fun. You'll enjoy it. It's good. He'll even tell you it's the right thing to do. So here's the deal. The second thing is this, and this one's true for all across the board. You know, there are all kinds of other religions and, and people, one of the questions I've gotten through the years, we well, you know what, what about Muslims? I mean, I, I know some good Muslim people. I know some good Buddhist people. I know some good Mormons. I know people, they're good people. And they say they're following a God too. Here's the deal. If they deny the master who bought them, and let me go back to one of the verses I read to you early on, the one from First uh, John. Who is a liar? Anyone who says that Jesus is not the Christ. Anyone who denies the Father and the Son is an antichrist. Anyone who denies the Son doesn't have the Father either. But anyone who acknowledges the Son has the Father also. So here's the deal. Here's with all those religions. Well, those religions may give people to be good because that's how it deceives them into thinking that they can get into heaven. But here's the deal about it. Here's what you got to look at. Here's what he's saying. Find out what they believe about Jesus. If you go to the Muslims, they'll tell you, oh, we believe he was a great teacher. Good teacher. Well, was he the son of God? Well, you know, no. But he was a really good teacher. Good guy. What will the Mormons tell you? Well, he was one of the sons of God. He was a type of God. But you can be one too. You can actually be more than he is. He's not the son of God. To them, he's just a son of God. You can go to other religions and they'll tell you, oh yeah, well, you know, we believe in, yeah, we believe he was a great, he was a cool guy. But here's the thing. If you deny that the son and the father are one, that's what Jesus said, I and the father are one. If you're wrong about Jesus, you're wrong about God too. You hear me? I'm gonna say it again. If you're wrong about Jesus, you're wrong about God too. So no matter what else they tell you, and they're going to tell you things, some of which are going to be right out of the Bible. Well, hey, our, our beliefs are, you know, we, we believe, the Book of Mormons will tell you, well, you know what, we, we use the Bible too. Well, they use a few verses out of it. But they have this other book called the Book of Mormon. And that supersedes whatever was written in here. That's a greater revelation. And that's where they learned that, you know, you can be greater than Jesus. They deny Jesus is the Son of God. If you're wrong about Jesus, they're wrong about God, period. And so always find out, what do y'all believe about Jesus? They'll always deny. And that's what that scripture tells you, that you have to be careful of. They will even, they will teach destructive heresies and even deny the master who bought them. They will deny the truth of God's word. They will deny the penalties that come from sin. And they will deny that Jesus is the son of God. That's how you can dis discern and look through and, and find out which are false religions and which are true Christians. Because true Christians will tell you, yep, Jesus is the son of God. He died on the cross for my sins. He was without sin. And he rose on the third day according to scripture. And now he's taking his place at the right hand of God. He and the Father are one. And if they can't tell you that, beware. Okay? So they're going to, that's, that's how you determine between <coughs> false religion and between true Christianity. That's how you can determine between those who are trying to teach you 
and denial that the word of God is true is they will deny the penalties that come with sin. The Bible is clear. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And it's also clear that the wages of sin is death. And if people try to tell you that something that God has declared as a sin does not have the wage of death and separation from God, then they are teaching you heresy and destructive lies. And here's my biggest concern with that. It's not that, oh, well, there's going to be homosexuality and adultery and all kinds of sin all over the place. Let me tell you the worst part about it is that it's telling those people that they're fine with God and that everything's going to be okay and that they're going to be in heaven too when they don't understand the only way they're going to be right with God is through Jesus. And it's by turning away from their sins and confessing that they are a sinner and telling them that they're not sinners and that they don't need a Savior is the same thing as sending them to hell. So beware of people that teach false doctrine and that teach heresy. Third thing, man, I'm getting a little worked up. <laughs> you know what? This matters. Y'all get this? This matters. And not only does this matter, this matters more than anything else. There is one way to heaven and it's through Jesus. Now here's the third thing. First thing is question. Second thing is deny. And the third thing is replace. So here's what he says. After he says, look, you're not really going to die. Then he says, you won't die, the serpent replied to the woman. God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it. And you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. And so what does he do? He denies what God says and he replaces it with a different truth. You know, I want you to catch this. Satan didn't come up denying that God existed. He didn't try to tell, tell Adam, there's no God. What are you talking about? All this came about when two rocks bumped together. He didn't try to deny God's existence. And the, the Antichrist, the spirit of the Antichrist won't either. What he's going to do is, is question God's word. He's going to deny that what he said is true. And then he's going to put God's motives in doubt and replace it with a different truth. Well, God's just telling you that because he doesn't want you to experience something that's great, that's awesome. He knows that it's great. And that's why he's told you not to do it. And what does he replace it with? Hey, you won't die. God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it and you'll be like God knowing good and evil. Now here's the, 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 what he didn't tell them was that in that moment, as soon as they ate from that tree, they were, they were ashamed. There's shame and there's guilt that comes with sin. And that's part of what these lies that you see being pushed in our society is to try to make people, people who've chosen to live a life of sin, to throw off the shame. And you can't. That guilt comes because we have wronged God. Because we have offended a holy God. And there is nothing you can do on this earth to make people unashamed about sin. Because we've offended a holy God. And so, he tries to tell them, hey, the benefits are way better. There's no real penalty. Just think about Satan. 
He's not going to tell you what's coming on the other side. He's not going to tell you about the consequences of sin. He's going to give you a false picture of how good it is and how appealing it is and how great it's going to be and leave you alone to pay the penalty afterwards. He's always going to come talking about God but not the God of the Bible. He's going to come offering the God that you want, that matches your desires. Oh, is this what you really, guess what? That's what God really is. 2 Corinthians 11, 13 through 15. These people are false apostles. They're deceitful workers who disguise themselves as apostles of Christ. But I'm not surprised even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. So it is no wonder that his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness. In the end, they will get the punishment their wicked deeds deserve. Satan is going to come as your friend. He's going to come telling you what you want to hear. He's going to question the Word of God then he's going to deny it. And then he's going to replace it with something that's more in line with what we want. Well, man, that'd be awesome if I could do that too and get away with it. And it'd be okay, but it's deceitful and it's a trap. And that's how the Antichrist works. Do you know, this, some of this even amazes me. We've gotten to the point in this country where people so believe and are so deceived by believing this whole gender dysphoria thing that people are born in the wrong bodies or whatever, that even though somebody introduced a piece of legislation that would make it illegal to give children under 12 hormones or sex-altering surgeries, which you can't alter their sex, it's just going to... It's just plastic surgery. And people are fighting that. Saying that a five-year-old can make up his mind that he's just been born in a wrong... I would not even let my five-year-olds pick what they're eating for dinner. Why would you let them pick having an elective surgery that's going to alter the rest of their life? But that's how deeply the deception is ingrained in our country now. And they will fight and fight and fight. The abortion's another picture of it. Well, it's a woman's right to choose. Hey, once there's a baby conceived, that's God's creation. And it has a totally separate DNA. And here's the deal. Here's what they know. They have to admit, they have to support abortion up to the moment of birth. And they will, as outrageous and outlandish as that is. Because they know if they ever admit that a child in the womb is a child, that it blows the whole thing up. And so now, that deception is now to the point where you will hear Congress people talking about how abortion should be legal up to the moment of birth. Now, they, they try to keep that quiet, but that's how far deceived we are. 
And it, it, it happens, you, you hear there will, they will always find somebody that calls themselves Christian or some pastor or whatever to stand up there and say that it is okay, that God's word says it is okay. And that is a, that, those people are antichrists. That, that is, when you get up and you start teaching heresy and blasphemy, that's what the Bible says. I, I want to read it to you again. It says that they are antichrists teaching heresies and that in the end they will get the punishment their wicked deeds deserve it is no wonder that his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness in the end they will get the punishment their wicked deeds deserve so here's here's the deal here's what we got to do i don't have i don't have i'm not against people watching christian fiction shows reading books reading podcasts, or even reading other Christian books. I'm telling you right now, be very careful. I, this is just my personal guess, but I would guess that 90% of the stuff that's labeled Christian is not doctrinally sound anymore. And I may be being generous. It may not even be 10%. There's probably not more than five or... You know who I read? Dead people. I read dead people stuff. You want to know why? Because you get to see their whole life. And they're not some 25-year-old expert now about, about theo theological things because a lot of the ones that we, we relied on 10 years ago have now gone so far off the reservation everybody knows they're not Christians but didn't know it at the time. But you know who, who doesn't do that? People that are already dead. <laughs> Read A.W. Tozer. Sorry, I just spit a piece of ice right down on the front. <laughs> it was ice though, so relax. <laughs> read people hey you want a great devotional book read Oswald read, read Chambers Oswald Chambers greatest devotional book ever written bar none read that be careful about reading the newest thing you know when I want to read the newest thing it's when it's lasted long enough to have been proven true and that the person who wrote it has lasted long enough to proving that they're living a life that glorifies God. Be careful about new. So watch out for those things. Here's the second thing. I don't have a problem with you listening to podcasts. I don't have a problem with you reading books. Read this more. This is more important than those things. If all you're doing is reading, listening to podcasts and reading this author or whatever, and you're not reading the Word of God, you are ripe for deception. Because this is the only thing that was inspired by God. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. It is the inspired word of God. And you know what? There is no fictional account to me that can ever hold a candle to this book right here because none of those were inspired by God. You want to make sure you, you want to be deception proof? Hey, it's important. Know the ways of the enemy. Question, deny, replace. I want you to be on the lookout the next week and you'll be able to see that all across our culture and all across our society. Just watch and listen and look. You want to be deception proof? Know what the enemy does, but know the word of God the most.
Know it more than anything else. The more you know the Word of God, those lies that come down, and they may sound really convincing, and they may have elements of truth in them. They will. But that, the Holy, all of us have the Holy Spirit. And you'll hear that voice, and you'll recognize it faster the more the Word you get in you. There's that voice. Man, there's something. Something just doesn't seem right. Something just doesn't seem right. Listen to that voice. That doesn't mean you automatically condemn them as heretics, but listen to it and explore it. Martin Luther back in 1400, have I already told you this in this service? He gave us a phrase, it's in Latin, sola scriptura, that means only scripture. If somebody comes up with a theory and it can't be proved by this book, it's just a theory, it's just a fable, it's just a story. If somebody tells you, oh, well, this, this really means all this stuff, but you, they can't show you in Scripture where it says that, it's wishful thinking. Rely on this. Now, I know that I've told you this many times before. I know that. I'm just going to repeat the words... Paul in Philippians 3.1 Whatever happens, my dear brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. I never get tired of telling you these things, and I do it to safeguard your faith. Now, if you'll notice, one thing I didn't tell you today was that, that I'll tell you the truth more than anybody else. I didn't tell you any of that. What I told you was to rely on the Word of God. If you got questions about what I say, look it up right here. And if what I say doesn't line up with this, then I'm wrong. Feel free to come tell me, and we'll look at it together. I'm not above making an error. I one time talked about Moses preparing the way for Jesus and baptizing him, you know, which y'all know that's not right, right? Y'all know that. If you, you're not sure whether I, you need to get more in the book, I'm just saying. Hey, I, there's times when I've said stuff, particularly when I hadn't had enough Mountain Dew yet or I didn't sleep well or whatever, it can happen. So check me, check me. And you know what? Anybody that's afraid for you to go search what they're saying in the Bible, don't listen to them, all. just dismiss, dismiss them right away. You go check, I've given you scripture, you want those scriptures? You can ask the guys in the back. They'll email them to you. I don't care. Hey, just give them what I got, what I gave y'all. All, you want to look at all of them? Look at them. And if I'm wrong, come tell me. I want you to, to get in the Bible. I want you to go check it. I want you to know that you know that you know because you've explored and got the Word of God in your heart. And the more you get that, the more you're going to be able to see lies. The more you're going to be able to see deception. I never get tired of telling you these things and I do it to safeguard your faith. I want your faith to be safeguarded. I want you to be deception proof. Be careful who you listen to. Learn to recognize the pattern of lies that Satan uses and most importantly, know the word of God. And that'll help you. You know, there's, it starts, the one good thing for anyone who's a believer is that they have the Holy Spirit to guide them. And that's what Jesus said. The, the, the Spirit's going to come. He's going to teach you all things. It can help us. It helps us to know and understand the Word of God. 
It'll help us to recognize lies. But the way, the way you get more in tune with the Spirit is the more you walk with God and the more your walk lines up with the Word of God, the more you get in tune with it. And you need to know the Word to do that. And I want you to be able to recognize deception. Because here's the thing. It's only going to get worse. And it's important that we're able to recognize truth and recognize lies. One of the first things that Peter said was, I know you know the truth, and I know you know the difference between a truth and a lie. And these are not easy times to know the difference. And it's not going to get easier. We gotta know the truth. And then we, through the power of the Holy Spirit, we'll be able to recognize the difference between the truth, the truth and a lie. And so, that's part of what's coming and what we need to be prepared for. And that's one of the ways that we can prepare by being in the Word and being prepared to recognize those lies when they come. The key to all this is knowing Jesus. That's how you get the Holy Spirit, is knowing Him. And it's a simple thing to come to know Jesus. It wasn't easy. Jesus was born of a virgin. He lived a life without sin. He died on the cross for our sins, and He rose on the third day according to Scripture. So here's what you have to do to know Jesus. To be forgiven of all your sins, to have the Holy Spirit, and to have peace with God. Is number one, you've got to admit you're a sinner. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Number two, you have to believe in Jesus. You've got to believe that Jesus is God's Son, that He died on the cross for your sins, and that He rose on the third day according to Scripture. And then number three, is you've got to, the Bible says in Romans 10, 9 and 10, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And so I'm going to ask right now if everybody would bow your heads and close your eyes for just a moment. And anyone who would like to, if, if you'd like to know that your sins are forgiven, if you'd like to know you have peace with God, not just for now, but for all eternity, and that you're going to be with God in heaven, Here's what I want to do. I'm going to lead you in a simple prayer of salvation. And you can repeat it after me or you can pray it in your own words. You don't have to do it out loud. You can pray it in your heart. God will hear you. But if that's you and you'd like to know those things, I want you to pray this with me right now. Dear God in heaven, thank you for loving me. Thank you for Jesus. God, I know I'm a sinner. Give me of my sins. Come into my heart, my life. Cleanse me. I believe Jesus is your son. I believe he died on the cross for my sins. And I believe he rose on the third day according to scripture. So today, I trust Jesus as my savior. And I confess him as my Lord. Now, if you prayed that prayer, I, don't, I still don't want anybody looking around just yet. If you prayed that prayer, I want you to know that in that moment that you believe that and you prayed it, that your sins are forgiven, that you were adopted into God's family as his son or his daughter, and that that's forever. 
And here's what I want to ask you. If you prayed that today and you meant it, all I'm going to ask you to do, you don't have to stand up. I'm not going to ask you to say anything. I just want to pray for you and encourage you. If you prayed that, I want you to look up at me right now and keep looking until I see you. Make eye contact. Just keep looking, okay? All right, see you. Okay, gotcha. So here's what I want to encourage you to do. We'd love to help you answer any questions that you have and talk to you about the next steps in following Jesus. And if, you want, if you're looking for a church home and you want this to be it, we'd love that too. But even if you don't, that's okay. We just want to help you. And we'd love to have the opportunity to talk to you. There's a couple ways you can do that. As soon as the service is over, there'll be a staff member here at the front. And if you want to come by and just say, hey, I need to talk to somebody, whether it's today, or you want to set up a time to do it later on, that'd be great. Either way. Or you can text, I did it to that number. Maybe you need to get out of here as soon as we're done. That's fine too. And we'll get back with you. We'll contact you and set up a time to talk either on phone or in person. And like I said, we're not going to add you to a mailing list. We're not going to ask you anything from you. We just want to help you answer any questions, help you to really understand the decision that you made, and then talk to you about the next steps in following Jesus. We'd love to do that. And so right now, I just want to pray for you, and I want to lift you up. Dear Heavenly Father, I just thank you, God, for those that um, entered into a relationship with you today. God, I pray that you would encourage them, that, Father, as they begin their new life with you, that, Father, you would help us and help others to encourage them in their walk. Father, you would show yourself to them through your word. And Father, I just thank you for the new life that's ahead of them. A life where all things have become new. Old things have passed away and all things have become new. Father, we rejoice with them in their new walk with you. We pray and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Sermon Audio Podcast from Greenwood Baptist Church in Weatherford, Texas. You can find links to topics and scriptures discussed in this episode by looking at the show notes. You can find more information online at greenwood.church. If you have any questions or comments, please send an email to info at greenwoodbc.com.